This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Jenny. Hello, Jenny. Hello. How's it going? I'm great. Excellent. Excellent. And we have, today we're going to talk about the seven 2013 Nebula Award nominees for short story. Yes. Right. And I'm not sure why there's seven. I didn't look that up. Is that normal now? Or were there some ties or any ideas? I thought normal was to have less if there were ties, not more. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Seven's quite a few. What happens to me is I'll I'll think about Mm -hmm. one and I'll remember parts of one. And then by the time I'm thinking about that one, I've forgotten details of the other. So I hope I've made enough notes to recall each one separately (laughs) yeah me too um yeah and and it doesn't help that you know some of the stories have things in common you know like a they do theme or a you know this immersion thing um kind of the first two stories i have on my list uh were were similar (laughs) they are yeah and it's hard to remember which one's which exactly but we'll try right right I think we should also say that there's just no way to talk about these without giving away the endings. Yep, yep, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Yep, I agree with you. And um, yeah, so I don't know. My 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 first impression. I guess you should share it. You know, and I don't want to be a complete stick in the mud, but um, I I really wasn't enamored with any of the seven. And uh, you know. I don't know. I feel odd saying that. It's not usually the case, but um, I, I was surprised that uh, that none of them stood out to me and said, you know, this is a winner. And I've been reading a lot of short stories lately. Um, yeah, on reading and high standards. Yeah, and, the, <laughs> and the stories I'm reading are, you know, uh, a lot of Hugo winners and, and Nebula winners from the past and things. And um, boy, I just didn't feel that from any one of the seven of these. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I. Mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, some of them weren't really stories. They were more like little worlds that were being built, but then nothing happened after that was built. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would call it a story. It was an interesting idea. Yeah. But, uh, sure. yeah. Yeah, yep, I agree. Um, probably my favorite of the seven, if I had to pick one, wasn't even really a science fiction. which. Hmm. Which we'll get to, I'm sure. Uh, so, can we go through them in the order? Uh, you sent me an email with sure. the, uh, links to them all. So, and every one of them is available online. Yes, yep. amazing. So, you guys should be able to read these after we talk about yeah, them. Yeah, for sure. You and know, ooh, go ahead. there's audio versions for each one, except for the Nanny's Day one. I couldn't uh, find an audio version of that, but everything else had one. Okay, so. yeah. And Nanny's Day would make a great audio the way it was written. Yeah, it would. It really would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, first up then is Robot by Helena Bell from Clark's World. Of, looks like September 2012. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I quoted the first paragraph, which was my favorite paragraph of the story. It says, you may wash your aluminum chassis on Monday and leave it on the back porch opposite the recyclables. You may wash your titanium chassis on Friday if you promise to polish it in time for church. Don't terrorize the cat. Don't lose the pamphlets my husband has brought home from the hospital. They suggest I give you a name. Do you like Fred? 
Don't <laughs> eat the dead flesh off my right foot until after I have fallen asleep and cannot hear the whir of your incisors working against the bone. E- yeah. As the story went on, I kept going, oh, oh gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The robot's yeah. eating our flesh. <laughs> Yeah, for me, the main thing going on in this story that was interesting was the dementia slash paranoia of whoever wrote this, mm-hmm. of the person that wrote it, right? Um, that was interesting to me, um, but um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what else to say about this story. I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's clear that the person is dying i think yeah and eventually they won't have enough flesh to be able to live anymore and this robot will outlive i think it's a her i think of her as a her because the reader was female Mm -hmm. um and then it kind of also seems to be the contrast between humans and robots and and the paranoia does feed into that but the the part that i had pulled out is kind of um disparaging to her own race that she's talking about this is the way to stumble like a human this is the way to delete your messages from the people with whom you no longer wish to speak <laughs> yes, this is the yeah. way to reclaim your childhood by clinging to anger and hurt <laughs> yeah yeah so her instructions are kind of expanding beyond just leave your shoes at the door <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it, it, it was interestingly written um you know the you know as you describe that it's interesting to me and um, they they say you will stop eating when only good flesh and good circulation remain. You yeah. are designed as a recycler. You know, the flesh you have taken from me is converted into energy, which fuels I know not what. You are a marvel. So, yeah, but but that's how I felt about it. I mean, dementia, that word was never used in it, so I could be assuming something, but mm-hmm. that's just the way that I felt about her and again, I thought it was a her too, and I read it. I didn't listen to it. Right. Um, well, she does talk about her husband, but you know, uh, you never know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah there, it doesn't seem like other people are really around. Yeah, and so, they're not. It's like she's all by herself, and maybe she's got a disease that other people can't be around her, or I she's kept being left leprosy. alone. Yeah, yeah, That's for sure. That's what it made me think of. Yeah. <laughs> and am I only meat to you? A mother, a friend, a tyrant? Do you sleep? Do you dream? Yeah, they're. A mother, a friend, a tyrant. So it is female. She is female. (laughs) Do you sleep? Do you dream? Do you derive satisfaction by making more and more of me disappear every day? Yeah. (laughs) Rough. Yeah. And the the one line at the end of the paragraph that I had pulled out, you are not host to an alien robot hell-bent on devouring you. (laughs) (laughs) But she needs the robot, it seems like, to keep keep living for a while. Right. Yeah, the robot's doing her a service. Yeah. The only real note I wrote was, yuck, a flesh-eating robot. (laughs) But I went backwards, so mm -hmm. this is the last one that I'd heard. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Wow. Yep. So, yeah, I'm not sure what else to say about that one. It was very short. Very, very short. short. Mm I don't have much else to say either. Okay. Um, Next up is Immersion by Aliette de Baudard. I hope I said her name correctly. (laughs) Um. Yeah, and what would you think about this one? You go first on this one. Oh, okay. Well, this is the one where the sisters were taking on different features, right? Mm-hmm. This, is, this is that one, right? Because I'm getting <laughs> some of them confused. Right. And then one of the women couldn't undo it. 
She couldn't get it off of her body. And so she was kind of turning into a, I don't know, would you call it a drone or it, it would take over her personality too. Mm-hmm. What, I don't really know what to call it. They never yeah. really called it something. Right. I, and I, I don't know either. This it was like one, an avatar. Yeah. Yeah. But it took over their minds too, not just their appearance. Right. Right. It was definitely to fulfill the fantasies of these men that were in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This oh, one actually had good. more of a story to it. There were the people in the restaurant. And, you know, after I listened to it, I went and looked up the author's website. Mm-hmm. Um, and half of her website is a list of recipes because she oh, cooks, too. It was just cool. kind of interesting. Like, yeah. that, it, that really plays into the story a lot. I kind of liked that part of it. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yeah, and she's, she's very highly regarded. I mean, she's written a lot of stuff. And um, so I, I'm trying to remember. I, I know that I read some things by her. Um, this isn't her first nomination, I don't believe. Hmm. I think um, this is my first experience with her. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, it's funny because quite a few of these stories seem to have kind of a, ask kind of maybe a moral question, which you don't always see. Uh-huh. But it seems like several of them, you know, the the point of the story is to make you think about some other thing, not really what's happening in the story. Mm-hmm. And this this one made me think of that. What do you what think you, the moral question was? Uh, you know, just what you'll give up to become what other people want well, instead you, of what you mm-hmm. want, I guess. Right. What yeah. did you think of the story? Well, I, I, this is one of the the couple that I liked more. Um, you know, again, it was it was written in a style that um, I don't think completely worked for me, and you know that certainly could be my hang up, but. Um, I wrote down interesting thoughts about artificial literature and then not sure I got everything else. <laughs> That's what I wrote. Hmm. And, um, you know, this is one of those stories that, that I read uh, and for some reason I'm rereading paragraphs. Um, and I'm like, what, what exactly happened? Um, you know, at the beginning she, she flickers and, um, she can see through her avatar to herself I believe. And then, right. um, yeah. So <clears throat> I don't know, you know, I'm stammering around because it was a little bit confusing to me and I'm, I'm not really sure that I can give it justice because, you know, maybe I didn't understand it and I, I'm reluctant to criticize it in any way. Right. Um, and I, I couldn't figure out and I'm still not sure I know. I mean, by halfway through the story, I was figuring out that, one of the narrators was the person who had taken on, I can't remember what they call it, the thing, you know, the mm-hmm. avatar kind of thing. Yeah. And the other person was the one who did that from time to time. Are they the same person? <laughs> Are they just connected to each other somehow? That's what I couldn't figure out because if they're the same person, then the story that's being told in two parts simultaneously is actually happening in two different times yeah because one would have to be the before and one would have to be the after i just i couldn't figure that part out like there weren't enough names in there for me or something (laughs) yeah 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 and then at the end it it talks about this galactic toy she said uh in one moment staring at each other suspended in time you see the guts of the galactic machines spread on the table you see the mass of tools of dismantled machines and the immerser half spread out before them. It's two halves open like a cracked egg. 
and you understand that they've been trying to open them and reverse engineer them, and you know that they'll never, ever succeed. Right. Not because of the safeguards of the galactic encryptions to preserve their fabled intellectual property, but rather because of something far more fundamental. This is a galactic toy conceived by a galactic mind. And then um, it, it goes on to say that um, it takes a galactic to believe that you can take a whole culture and reduce it to algorithms. Mm-hmm. That language and customs can be boiled to just a simple set of rules. For these girls, things are so much more complex than this, and they will never understand how an immerser works because they can't think like a galactic. So that, that was an interesting concept. Um, yeah. And you're yeah. simultaneously glad that they'll never think that way, mm-hmm. but it's also the only thing preventing them from getting out of where they are. Right. Yeah, it, it reminds me a little bit of um, The Story of Your Life by Ted Chang. Have you ever read that one? I don't think so. Oh, that's a really a must-read. But in, in that one, I mean, it's a, it's a remarkable um, novella, and the... Um, there's an alien race that lands on the planet and without giving too much away, cause you really need to read it. <laughs> there's some language things going on there. And the, the main character is a linguist who's trying to communicate with these aliens. So they don't land and start talking to you. <laughs> they land and they're like, blah, 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 blah. And so somebody needs to try and figure out how to talk to them. So that's what her job is. And, and just figuring out the language changes her and, um, <laughs> great story. Great yeah, story. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. So, yeah, she's kind of touched on that same kind of a theme. You know, yeah. you can't quite think like the Galactus, so you're not going to understand their stuff. And that's an interesting concept. What I couldn't figure out within the story is what was the draw mm-hmm. for them to become these characters for the Galactics in the first place? Because they didn't seem mm-hmm. to be coming from an environment of poverty. I mean, they had their family. They had the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were in their own society. So I was kind of confused as to what you know, motivated them yeah, to do it. Yeah, didn't, it didn't talk about getting anything from it, did it? So no. you, you don't know if it was something that they were being coerced to do, like you know, Passengers by Robert Silverberg, which mm-hmm. is another great story about um, it, in, in a city... Um, aliens take over people randomly, whether they like it or not. So you'll be at work and all of a sudden, boom, you're taken over by an alien and they use your body for whatever they want it to. (laughs) So you go party or whatever, have sex with somebody. Anyway, you wake up, could be days later. You have no idea where you were, where you are or where you've been. And, um, one of the images I remember is people walking home, you know, <laughs> you call it the walk of shame or whatever, but here they knew that they'd been taken over by aliens, so society kind of adjusted by kind of looking away when people are stumbling home after their three-day, you know, binge or whatever. Oh, it's sad. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's another good story. It's called Passengers, Yeah. Well, it's really clear that the women that aren't the Galactics are somehow racially thought of as less, mm-hmm. you know, because the description of their features is very negative all the time, even when they think about themselves. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, which I wondered if that comes from the author's background herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she's half Vietnamese, French Vietnamese or something like that is what her website says. Mm. So, I, you know, I... I just wondered about that part of it. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely read some more of her stuff. I'm going to seek mm-hmm. it out because uh, 
there is a quality to this. Yeah, and I listened to the audio, mm-hmm. um, and this was the first of several that Kate Baker read. Mm. And um, I always enjoy her reading. Her voice sounds so much like one of my friends that oh, I'm always yeah. trying to bother to do audiobooks. <laughs> um, so oh, I, I like her voice for storytelling. Very so I cool. think she reads. I think she reads three of these. Oh, yeah! I didn't um, listen to any of them. I read them all. Yeah. I started out just reading, but decided to give them a try. Right, right. Well, I think that's all I really okay. have to say about that one. Sounds good. Um, Tim Crosshill wrote one called Fragmentation or 10,000 Goodbyes, um, another Clark's World story uh, from April of 2012. Yeah, and so this is another Kate Baker read one. Yeah. And this and one it, is the one, you know, at the beginning I, I described him as similar. It, it seemed similar in a way to the previous story. Um, yeah, and last year we talked about the same author's story that was nominated <clears throat> last year, Mama, mm-hmm. We Are Genia, Your Son. Hmm. So I was seeing parallels to that story as well. Oh, really? It's also about, you know, quantum people, <laughs> yeah. you know, fractaled into... <laughs> yeah, there was, yeah. You know, because we are your son. Yeah, that uh-huh. whole concept, I think the author likes the idea of quantum human fractals like in this story so to me it was a very similar theme to that too (laughs) right you know you talk about fragmentation every time you stuff a new gadget into your brain you fragment away from the human race right that line made me think of so much yeah definitely I mean uh, he he really did make me think about stuff because of how we fragment ourselves you know Mm -hmm. um, by you know joining a specific group or a religion or or something you're you're spending time away from other people and it's like when you're away from those other people do you change you know when you come back um yeah this is interesting because i had a concept for a story one time that i don't think i can ever write because i can't think of how to but you know things are constantly changing and and this guy tim tom crosshill he definitely touched on this but the what if you experienced change in such a way that minor changes were a big thing to you so that if a person goes outside and comes back, you no longer recognize them because they've changed, you know? Right. And, um, that, that's a little bit of that. I felt in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, how you're always strangers. Yeah. Even if you're related, yeah. even if you're friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was definitely his theme. Right. But I think the very first line kind of tells you what's coming in that way where it says every day mom says goodbye to me for the last time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes me think, you know, Alzheimer's, you know? Yeah. That's where I thought it was going. I did too. And, and it yeah. didn't. It no. Was, yeah. So yeah, that was, that yeah, was good. And in fact, when she dies, it's like, okay, well she died, but she's still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. You know? Yeah. It is something, isn't it? You know, how long ago, you know, when you start looking at philosophy and things, one of the first things that I got told anyway, you know, was like, hey, you know, every cell in your body gets replaced every so many years or whatever. So, you know, your body is, doesn't have a single part of it that's the same as when you were a kid, Hmm. you know, but yet you're the same person. Um, Yeah. Not even your teeth. Not even your teeth. Right. Hmm. So it's really something. You know, strange to think about that stuff, but fun. Yeah, and the other thing I liked about this story is this idea that you could build 
the world you'd want to live in forever. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a take on the, you know, Desert Island what would be yeah. the book you would read or whatever. <laughs> so I was trying to figure out one which one place I'd been to that I'd want to live in forever. Uh-huh. You know, that's where my head went. <laughs> <laughs> and where was about, that? Did, I, I was, well, I was... I always think of cold weather islands. Those are my. Oh, I that's just love right. Them. Yes, you've, you've like, mentioned so those So maybe before. the Hebrides somewhere, uh-huh. or but maybe in June. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not when it's really cold, because wow. it seemed like they were controlling that entire environment. But the only question that the main character, the narrator, didn't ask is if his mom even wanted that. Yeah, yeah. He was building the world that he wanted for her. Mm. So he could keep her, right? Yeah, is, yeah, is I think the, so too. That's how I felt you, it too. Yeah. 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 I think I'd probably never having been to a cold weather island. <laughs> <laughs> I would pick a mountain lake uh in the summer without bugs. Oh yeah. <laughs> well yep. making the bugs would take so much effort anyway, that's you might right. as well leave them yeah, out. <laughs> just leave them off. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but yeah, neat. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's fun to talk about stories because they grow in the in the in talking about them. It, uh, it, it you know, so far all three of them I've felt better about after talking about them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I hated any of them, you know. Yeah. They're all fine. Um, it's just that none of them were like, oh, that's so good. Right. Yeah. But my favorite is the next one. Really. It really was. I huh. I thought it was very well written. Um, when when I read it, I just I don't know. I really, I really was into it. I, I didn't feel it was science fiction. Is this the one that you said wasn't <laughs> science fiction too? Yeah. Okay. Said, yeah. It, it didn't feel like, like science fiction to me at all. It, it's just that there's this idea that um, a nanny, or there will be a trend where nannies uh, sue their the parents of the kids that they watch for custody. Those bioists. Yeah. And the, <laughs> Yeah, you anti-dentite, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, I really enjoyed the style of it. Um, did, did I think it was, you know, like I said at the beginning, n- none of them felt like great stories to me. Um, but if I had to pick one of the seven, it would be this one, even though I can't say that it's science fiction. That's so funny, because I think I would have put this one last really? for myself. Really? How interesting. Yeah, yeah that is interesting. I- and I, it's not the science fiction thing, because I think mm-hmm. it definitely fits into the speculative fiction uh-huh. arena. So I think it still counts. It's the future. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit dystopian where you could lose control of who gets custody of your kids based on who spends more time with them. You know, that's yeah. a yeah. that's a valid idea. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I don't know what it is that didn't that didn't do it for me now. I, know, but, I, I got right into the story and zipped right through it and thought it was terrific. Huh. I mean, I, I just... It had me at, till the end, you know. Right. And you list, you didn't listen to this when you read it, right? This was the one I couldn't find That's the right. audio for. That's right. There was no for. audio for it. Yeah. yeah. So. And there, you know, there is this little moment of science fiction in there, and I couldn't mm-hmm. quite figure it out. Um, it's when she's talking about trying to quiet her son, who's so upset because he wants Steph to come oh, back. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And, he, and she says something like, I pulled myself onto the bed. The rail field, keyed to him, flickered as I passed through it and wrapped my arms around his small, shaking body. So every time she describes interacting with him, there's this rail field. And I'm not really sure I understand what that is, but I was picturing this kind of barrier between mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And I wondered if in this world the nanny did things without these barriers. <laughs> you know, I know. I, the, the picture I had in my head was like a crib. 
Okay. Know? That, that's that's the so picture like a that virtual I crib kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. You put yeah, the, that would make sense. Put the kid in the crib and and walk away. And then right after that, it said something about this would not be the first time that I'd, you know, had been violently hurt by a three-year-old or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I really like the style. I, I, I don't know. Maybe after the previous three, this style just kicked in and worked for me. Yeah. Um, because I read them right in this order, pretty much back to back to back, huh. and uh, I liked it. Well, and since I read them in the reverse order, the contrast with it and the one after it mm-hmm. for you, um, there's so much difference in just the language, I guess. I uh-huh. think the one that came before it for me, the language kind of drew me in. I mean, I wouldn't say it was my favorite either, but uh-huh. after so the, that, the, the one after is, is called Give Her Honey When You Hear Her Scream. Yeah, by which is a great title. Maria Davana Headley. Mm-hmm. And that's in Lightspeed Magazine. So, yeah. Yeah, cool art. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the middle and of the maze, there's always a monster. Always a monster. <laughs> this one yep. is a puzzle to me, and I'm still puzzling through it. Yeah. I've gone back to it twice. Yeah, I read, I read it, and then I read probably the last half again. Right. Um, you know, I was so, so I was kind of confused by it, but not not in the same way that I was by um, that Elliot Du De Baudard story. Right. This one, I, I felt like, okay, um, I've just about got this. So you know, you, you want to look at it again because it was clear that she was doing something in okay, that, so in that previous one. I didn't feel that way <laughs> about hers. Go ahead. Why don't you explain <laughs> explain this story to oh me? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know if I can explain this story. Um, see, I'm looking at it, trying to refresh my memory. Um, what, are, what, I, what I think is, well, there's this couple, and I, I think that she, she traps this guy in her fingerprint, right? Right. Isn't that what you get? So it, <laughs> it's, um, gosh, I'm not doing this justice at all. <laughs> Well, there's a witch. Yeah, there's a witch and a magician. Uh-huh. And, and their um, spouses. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, it's it's very erotic. Yes. Yes. So the question that I have is, is it trying to teach you not to cheat, or is it telling you that forever is dangerous? <laughs> Because those ideas are both in there, but they are opposing ideas. Uh huh. I didn't really think of it in that way either. Either way, really. Well, there are these two parts I pulled out, and it's, one of them comes very early in the story, and it says, "Lovers, for their part, are always immortal. They forget about the monster." And then later on, kind of really near the end, right before it talks about the monster again, how mm-hmm. the monster's still there and it's eating things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it says, look, everyone knows that forever is and always has been a magic word oh, and has always been. Forever isn't always something one would choose given all the information. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, yeah. that's what happens to the couple. They, they say to each other that it's forever. Yeah. And somehow that gives power to what the witch is able to do so then i was just like so (laughs) so wait (laughs) you're right it kind of does do both things there doesn't it yeah so i kept going back to the beginning and starting over 
and then I would kind of get confused again. And it's not it's not really a fault of the writing, I don't think. Um, because the writing is really beautiful, and I really like how it feels, especially if you hear it read aloud. It's really uh-huh. beautiful. Um, Did you feel, you know, I, I should listen to it? Because um, as I read it, it would be kind of poetic and beautiful, and then there would be a line or two that were not. And it was like, um, I need to find an example of it. Um, hmm. I don't know. Um, like, that. what was that line that you just read? Um, the uh, look, second, everyone yeah. knows that forever is and has always been a magic word. Mm-hmm. And forever then what, isn't always something one would choose, uh-huh. given all the information. Given all the information. Hm. No, that works. That's pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think when they're, when they're talking to each other, when uh-huh. the characters are interacting, they don't speak this way. Yeah. You know, they're lying to each other and they're making fake fake clothing and doing spells and it seemed like the witch was transforming i think (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah 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 see now i need to read the whole thing again because i don't think i understood this at all yeah and i think that's why this one has become my favorite Uh (laughs) because i have no idea (laughs) i have no idea which way the author wants us to think and then i guess i kind of like that it can be both Uh um but i'm always such a sucker for good language too Uh Yeah, language. and there is there is a lot of there's <laughs> Don't a lot believe of believe <laughs> what I say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here I am. You know, I'm thinking more of this story as we're talking about it. Yet I don't. I'm not anywhere near understanding it. Right. Um, the the image of her capturing him in this fingerprint and then looking at it later and comparing it to a labyrinth. Um, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And at the very end, it's the monster that is breaking its own heart over and over. Yes. And over. And over. (laughs) (laughs) There's this one little line at the end, and Uh, over. And over, yeah. So then, Hmm. is the monster controlling it? (laughs) (laughs) Or is she controlling the monster? The monster is here. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, see, I like I could keep thinking about this one for another three hours and still be thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, because it's both. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> it's a both and. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. This is why love is hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's very difficult. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I felt totally inadequate talking about that story. Yeah. I know how that feels. And I, <laughs> did you know this author? I don't think I knew. No, this I author. have never. I've never heard of her before. But she makes me want to read more of her, so I might have to hunt something down. All right, cool. Hmm. All right. Okay, so now the next one is by Ken Liu, and yes. it is called "The Bookmaking book- Habits of Select Species." Yes, and yeah. the audio is read by Stefan Rudnicki. Oh man, I gotta listen to it then. Yeah, um, with his slow voice. <laughs> yeah. And this is an interesting story that's not really a story. It's, this is the one where I'm like, yeah. there is no story here. <laughs> and you know, usually I really like Ken Liu because uh-huh. last year he wrote that Paper Menagerie's mm-hmm. yeah. um, story that we just loved. Mm-hmm. And it was so emotional and sentimental, but still really beautiful. And there were a few paper, paper figures in this one too, right? Mm, yeah. But all it really does is talks about these... St- Four, I think, people groups yeah. or 
alien races or something. Mm-hmm. And it talks about how they write and how they read and how their minds work, how they learn. Yeah. But then that's it, right? Yeah, I never that, saw that's exactly what I got out of it too. And they're interesting <laughs> ideas. Oh, sure. Um, but there's not really a story. It would be kind of cool if somehow this could be worked into a story. Ho- hopefully he's thinking about it. Oh, I hope because so. Because to, to have a, a novel written with these, I think it's five actually, five groups oh, okay. of aliens, um, and somehow this, their methods of reading somehow can, can conflict with each other or somehow that's the central part of the story would be really neat. Yeah, exactly. Like, I want to see how mm. these things interplay and you know you have the books that if they're valuable they're never read because each reading deteriorates them Mm -hmm. or those that have the stone minds that they pass down little pieces of it to their children like immunity Mm -hmm. yeah you know i loved the ideas but i wouldn't call it a story sure yeah and then um you know the last one where they're reading the universe and uh they tumble into the a black hole (laughs) At the end, to when they get bored of reading the universe, they tumble into a black hole because it's the best of all of them. Right. Yeah. And don't some of isn't that the group that takes the Quetzalcoatlis stone mines? Like yeah. they, mm-hmm. they that's what they're reading before the black hole. Right. Right. Which okay, that was like the basis of something I expected to go somewhere well, else. I, I, I hope I hope he's doing something. Yeah. <laughs> Can yeah, the go ideas for it. are great. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, Jesse would love this story. Because it's ideas. Because it's 100% ideas. Yeah. No, <laughs> no people, story. No people, no story. <laughs> this is pure idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Hmm. All right. And then, last, Five Ways to Fall in Love on Planet Porcelain by Kat Rambo. And I think... It doesn't specify on her on her website, so I think the reading is done by her as well. Yeah, okay. And she also read the first one, the robot <clears throat> story. Yeah, and this is an interesting style that she wrote this in. You know, there's lists in the middle of it and, yeah. um, and you know, interesting tone to the whole thing. Yeah, um, so hmm? I, um, I made a list. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> of five things I love about the story. Oh, <laughs> I felt really? like it was appropriate. Is this your favorite? <laughs> No, I don't know. <laughs> Tough I, this is the first one I read, so then I mm-hmm. kept getting talked out of it. But uh-huh. I think maybe if I if we talk about it enough, it might be. All right. So should I read yes, my list? Yes, please do read your okay, list. Some, yep. some of them are long. Um, I liked the creatures, mm-hmm. the the chim- the chimeries, uh, the fish flowers. Mm-hmm. And it, it, she did say it chimmery in the author in the audio version. Otherwise, I think I would have said it chimmery. Mm-hmm. So this idea of flowers that are also fish, I really like that. <laughs> and Lamentia described as jellyfish floating on the wind. So, <laughs> like, I really wanted to see a picture of the planet because I was picturing it in my head, and it was really beautiful. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so the next thing that I love about number two, this is just a kind of an idea. And this is early in the story. Mm-hmm. She'd lain awake in the darkness, checking her mind with the same care. Were there any sorrows, any passions that might lead her thoughts along the same groove till it gave eroded into madness? Mm-hmm. So there was something about, since she's made out of porcelain, she has to check herself every day 
to make sure she's not damaged. Right. But then she'd lay in the dark and check her mind for damage, too. I just like that idea. I like that the is concept a cool idea. It. Yeah, that is neat. Number three, <laughs> this concept of the sound garden uh-huh. that sounds really beautiful until there's this idea that it might dissolve your insides to dust. <laughs> <laughs> so it might actually be this really dangerous place. Uh-huh. I liked that. Yeah. Um, the concept of frozen orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a while to understand it and explain mm-hmm. it. She explains it farther on in the story where, I, you know, since they go back and forth between being clay and porcelain, right? Mm-hmm. And so they they couple and then they freeze together at the mo- the height of the moment and then they come back apart again. And at first I was like, hey, that's a really cool concept. You don't hear about people making up new types of relations that often. Mm-hmm. But then it becomes so central to the story later um, that it becomes more interesting, I think. Yeah, that's a, it's a tough end to the story. It's very sad. I was sad. not expecting that at yeah, all. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Because basically the man, mm-hmm. I think it's a man, yeah. um, just gets to know her and she thinks that they're in love and so they couple and then he steals her foot, right? Yeah. <laughs> as soon as yeah, she turns into porcelain. Away, he backs away right at the moment and she and freezes and, and he doesn't. Do and she can't do a thing while he breaks her toe off and then he breaks it's her so foot terrible. off. It's terrible. And it's not like she can't feel it. She can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Great pain. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, this is why this might be my favorite story. <laughs> because of the pain? <laughs> well, because it's unexpected. It is unexpected. And, and, and somehow in yeah. such a short story, she's made me feel so compassionate towards this little alien creature. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and then number five, since mm-hmm. there's a five in the story title. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that this was only one little world and it's the boring one. <laughs> Because <laughs> there's this quote near the end, and she says, There were more interesting worlds in the multiverse, she knew. Paper dolls and talking purple griffins, intelligent rainbows, and everyone's favorite, the chocolate universe. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I want to visit all of those. Oh, wow. That's neat. <laughs> intelligent rainbows? <laughs> <laughs> Super intelligent shades of the color blue. Yeah, what would yeah. that be? <laughs> so I think my imagination was kind of activated yeah, by this one. Yeah. That's cool. I, I really like the style of it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Who doesn't love a list? <laughs> Who doesn't love a list, yes. A story. Yeah, we need an anthology of stories that are just lists. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. How long of an anthology do you think that would be? <laughs> yeah, make a list of the contents immediately. <laughs> yeah, so, wow. I don't know. It's always fun to talk about stuff because, again, you know, I've... I, I find things in it that I didn't find in the first reading. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I regard all seven of them a little bit more than I did when we started. If I had to, I don't know. Are we? Should we select one? Well, I think in? you already picked what your favorite one I, was. I, I did. I'm kind of. I'm mm-hmm. still torn. I'm torn between the Heedley and the Rambo. I think. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, which one would be your least favorite? My least favorite. <laughs> oh boy, that's that's just mean. Well, <laughs> it's going to be too hard to put seven in order. <laughs> yeah, it, it sure is. Um, you can just pick your favorite. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to pick my least favorite. <laughs> yeah, 
But, well, and sometimes um, it's just what you what you connect with versus what you don't. And that's yeah, and that, that's true. It's, it was like you know, uh, that's one of the things that that um, I've I've got to you know I've started admitting to myself in conversations with you. You know, we've talked about how you know I'm starting to feel that you know the whole science fiction world is kind of leaving me behind. You know, hmm. they're they're going in a direction that I'm not very interested in. Right. And I think that that's the mindset that I kind of have when I when I hit these stories in the first place. Um, if, if we look, for example, at the the novel nominees, um, there, there's only you know, w- with apologies to everyone, you know, and, and this is something that I need to stop saying that you know I don't like this genre or I don't like this genre, I don't like paranormal romance or I don't like this because it's true that if given a great book. I think that I would like any genre. I, right. I really do. Like, um, for example, I, I liked Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I really liked that TV series. Mm-hmm. But I haven't yet read, and I haven't read very many at all, but I haven't yet read a paranormal romance that I like. Sure. So, therefore, I've been saying, you know, I don't like paranormal romance. Well, it's not really fair because if there was a great paranormal romance novel out there and everybody was saying, oh, you should read this, and someone talks me into reading it, I should have an open mind enough to say, yeah, that was a good book. Because there can be a good paranormal romance. I know that there can be, right? Sure. So, yeah, but it's kind of a question of if you saw those five or six nominees sitting on <clears throat> a table at your bookstore, mm-hmm. which of them would you be likely to even pick up and, and read the description? Because well, I mean, we all have our own tastes. Yeah, so. we, we all have our own tastes. And um, I, I would say that uh, I just called them up here. Um, the, the only the only one, or the first one I would pick up at least would be twenty three twelve by Ken Stanley Robinson. Um, that seems to me my kind of book. Um, you know, right. I, I like the hard science fiction, and I haven't read a Ken Stanley Robinson for a while. Um, I got to go to a class with Mary Robinette Cole, so of course I'd look at hers. <laughs> hmm. But I have not yet read any of her novels. I've read a lot of her short stories, um, hmm. and I, I do enjoy those. But, uh, but, but the, you know, Jane Austen with magic is really, you know, not something that I would pick up. And, right. And there's nothing well, wrong with that, you know, but, and it's not to say that it's not a great novel. But... You know, uh, we're going, we seem to be for years now, probably since the year 2000 or something, the most interesting things in the genre seem to be fantasy, you know, (laughs) and, uh, you know, do do you feel the same way? I don't know if you do or not, but I can't think of, um, there's just not a lot of the hard science fiction, even the stuff that's like space opera and things like that are not really like hard science fiction used to be. And, And maybe I'm starting to sound like an old crotchety guy. But uh, no, but the thing is, you know, the the science and the things that used to drive the novels aren't really present anymore. And a space opera is just uses science fiction as a set, and then right. the action takes place in space. Let's say. Well, and I'm thinking of last year's Hugo and Nebula nominees, both like mm-hmm. Embassy Town by China Mieville. Yeah. It wasn't really a hard science. Did you end up reading that one? I never did. Uh-uh. I okay. didn't vote but for the novels and the Hugo's was, because I didn't was, get them read. <laughs> this <laughs> well, year I'm going to try. In fact, yeah, they're going to they're going to tell us this weekend who the nominees are, and I'm going to do my yes. best to get them all read. 
March 30th. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. I've got my I've got my vote ready. I'm ready to vote. <laughs> it's all ready. So. Are you getting the packet again? Well, it's, pack- if if they publish it, yeah, I'm a yeah. associate member of the convention. Okay. And I was can, really happy to do that last year. It was really it's cool. fun. I've done it for several years now, and it's it's just like you're taking part of. Uh, you know, science fiction history because you know the, the awards are part of the history of the genre. You know, so yeah, it's fun to fun to take take a part in it. But anyway, you were saying something about last year's nominees. Well, I was just thinking, like, I'm not sure that science fiction is found in space anymore. Yeah, I think and that's that okay. There's kind yeah. of this trend towards well, first cyberpunk, you know, which happens anywhere. Sure. And then I've seen a lot of stuff lately that deals with post-humans and quantum mechanics and mm-hmm. sometimes those are in space and sometimes they're not yeah. um, and sometimes they see post-humans as dangerous and scary and it's like a thriller and sometimes it's positive like I read the book by um, Ramez Nan called Nexus mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if it's officially out yet I had a review copy of it um, but to me, that's kind of where science fiction seems to be going. But I don't see that represented in the nominees very much. It's very heavy on the fantasy side. Yeah, and and I think it's heavy on the fantasy side because, um, you know, the, the the science fiction, it it may have run out of places to go. You know, I don't possibly. Like yeah, because you, you know, from what you're saying, you know, with the you know the post humans and and there was a whole bunch of singularity stuff and since 2000, yeah. and and the singularity stuff I got sick of so quickly um, because I just didn't believe it. You right. know that that there's going to be this singularity. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and because it's not were, really sciencey; it's yeah. more fantasy based. And then another trope that that's being used that I got sick of quickly is the multiple universes. You know that. Um, Simultaneous. Simultaneous, yeah. yeah. Um, lo- so many stories used that for something that it became not science fiction anymore because, you know, one of the things that, that drove the science fiction stories that I was interested in were the the ideas that were possible because, you know, in you know in this scientific theory this may be happening or whatever and um then it's an extrapolation from that is what the author would do but it just isn't, there's just not very many of people doing that anymore now <laughs> now china china i've read just a little bit of his stuff but would you call him science fiction or fantasy no cuz each of his books is different okay but last year's was at so least embassy in space so embassy town embassy <laughs> town was in space but you it know, was and, more yeah. about linguistics and um, anthropology mm-hmm. than yeah. science, and, and space doesn't have to be part of a science fiction story. You know, Robert right. J. Sawyer would write, um, you know, that humans and hominids and that that wasn't in space, and um, it reminded me of Stargate in some oh, <laughs> only only mm-hmm. little ways, just about you know arriving in a new culture, getting to know them. There are actually some similarities with that novel and the new Karen Lord novel, The Best of Both Possible Worlds. Mm. That's Which one I, don't I, re- think- I would really like to read that one. Yeah, but it's not hard science fiction either. No? What, what is it about? It's about, well, she was inspired by the tsunami mm-hmm. <laughs> where all of the men survived and the, the women and children died. Oh. And so she has this story about this um, planet that gets destroyed and the men who are all in the outlying regions come home and they have to leave and find people who've descended from the same people they've descended from to be able to perpetuate 
their society, oh, interesting. Their, their culture. And so they're working with this woman who's kind of a, a social worker of mm-hmm. sorts, maybe also a linguist, whose job it is to help people through that kind of transition. Well, that sounds... Why is that? Why wouldn't that be hard science fiction? Well, there's not really any... Like, there's no fact there. There's no science. It's in well, space. maybe like a social science... You know, that that's, can okay, be hard science, too. Science. Because okay. if you're if you're extrapolating <laughs> like a, a society where you're saying, yeah. okay, I'm setting up rules for this society and I'm throwing this out there and, and that, I would call that hard science fiction. It could be. It depends okay. on how it's done, but if it's, if it's thought it. out and... And um, realistic, I would I would wouldn't hesitate to call it hard science fiction. Right, and I would have put that novel on this list, but I imagine maybe it came out just a little bit too late. Oh, because I it think come it came out, out in 2012, 20, or do you think, think it's it a 2013? Out. Yeah, I think it came out this year. Oh, good. Okay, um, but I would have loved to see it on this list. The I'll other one I'm kind read. of surprised mm-hmm. isn't there is Aleph the Unseen. Hmm. Um, it even made the long list for the Women's Prize for Fiction, which doesn't usually include fantasy at all. So what's um, that? Who wrote that? It's G. Willow Wilson. Mm-hmm. And before that, she had done graphic novels. And it's kind of um, a hacker fantasy, but set in an unnamed Middle Eastern country. Mm. It's really, it's a great story. You call it a hacker fantasy? That's what I call it. So, what's a hacker fantasy? Like, there's <laughs> well, computer guys in there, or compu- not? I say guys, I mean everybody, but computer wizards in there, or what? Well, what? he's a teenager, uh-huh. and he's a hacker. Okay. And he's in love with a girl he shouldn't love. Mm-hmm. And he finds a book that helps him see jinns, you know, DJ. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he can go to places where they live. It's kind of like a fantasy. Well, he runs from the people who found out that he's been hacking. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like if Cory Doctorow picked up and <laughs> wrote in that kind of setting, I guess. It oh, kind of reminded fun. me of him quite a bit. That's kind of cool. It's, it's interesting how everything's, you know, th- there aren't any walls in between anything anymore. And no, that's, ex- that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. You know, here I am, you know, wanting more hard science fiction. But it is interesting to me that... Uh, you know, all this stuff that they're doing, you know, like Firefly is a Western in science fiction and, um, huh. you know, a hacker fantasy. That's the first time I've ever heard that. <laughs> and I would totally read it. Yeah. No, and yeah. it was great. Mm-hmm. And I, that's why I'm having a hard time, like, even drawing a boundary around hard, hard science fiction anymore mm-hmm. because I feel like yeah. if it has certain elements in it, then it no longer falls into that for, category. For, for, me, for me, a, a hard science fiction novel, all, all that it would take for me to call it hard science fiction is that it's it's scientifically um att- there's an attempt made for it to be scientifically accurate so if you're doing a society or something like that it has to make sense and there has to be something something behind that you know so there um, have to be rules well yeah there's always rules right even in a fantasy there has to be rules <laughs> especially in magic right right so because if your magic is free <laughs> no 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 it, yeah well <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's hard to pin down, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I just it's what a, I say it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just call it all speculative fiction. It is all speculative call fiction. It good. <laughs> but at the, at the same time, I, I get tired of well, what what I'm tired of reading is stories that just use it all as a set, and um, the, sometimes it's not even a matter of that they aren't using something correctly. It, it, it's not. It's not that, you know, because you could have a space opera that everything seems to work in. But 
I'm, I'm tired of just reading a book in space where stuff happens and that's really what it is. That, that's all that story is, is there's ships and, and there's a battle maybe and um, these two people are in love maybe, and it's, but it's just a story in space. Well, and maybe the problem is more, and I read a book last year that I would put in this category, I won't say what it is, mm-hmm. um, where because they've already bothered putting it into space, they don't think they have to worry as much about making a good story. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of the exhaustion you're yeah. feeling. It, I don't it, know. It, it is possible. It is possible. And then, yeah. um, you know, then a lot of the short stories that I read nowadays are are mostly fantasy type things with you know a quirky characters and you know witty you know kind of like a Joss Whedon talking back type of person <laughs> you know hmm. and uh, you know I don't know I guess I'm tired. I'm tired of it. Yeah. So what do you want to read instead? I don't know. I don't know, but I want to read. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and and the thing is, you know, I can't imagine turning it off because I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe what I need is a uh, sabbatical. Well, you know, April is poetry month. You could just go crazy. Poetry. (laughs) (laughs) You bet. You bet. Kind of cleanses the palate. (laughs) That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, Novellas. I've I've talked to you about um, reading some novellas and um, Mm -hmm. creating a list. (laughs) Let's make it all better. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of those are literary. A lot of those weren't science fiction. Yeah, a lot of them were literary. And and I used to read before SF of audio. I used to be more eclectic in what I read. Take Um, it back. It's time to to roll it back. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and uh, try some other stuff. Good. Yeah. So cool. Well, this was fun. It was. (laughs) And last year, there Mm -hmm. were a few repeats from the Nebula list on the Hugo list. Mm -hmm. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, I guess we'll see too. Yeah. Which of these would you expect to see? Um, You know, it's tough because I haven't read a whole lot of short stories that are current. So I don't know what's out there. I I guess, I don't know. Um, I was kind of thinking that Ken Liu... Despite the story issue, yeah, yeah. I mean, I sure, I sure could. Kind of I could totally see that. And Cat yeah. um, Rambo's story, you know, that's that's pretty interesting. So yeah, yeah. maybe her story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so the Nebulas are are voted on and no, nominated by uh, other authors, right? And the Hugos are kind of a popular vote of um, people who went to the previous convention or who are members of the current convention. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's a totally different group, and um, it's interesting to see the the books that get nominated in both places. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I just you know, like I said, I don't have a a standout. Um, yeah, I I, I I even though I liked Nanny's Day, I can't mm-hmm. say that that was the best story in Asimov's this year. That would really really surprise me. Right. It really, really would. So, What um, I wish I knew and understood better is how do people pick, <laughs> you know, what they nominate? Out of all of the things that come out every year, yeah. how in the world do you narrow it down? And how do enough people come to the same conclusion that these lists even exist? Yeah. It's a mystery to me. It is. <laughs> it is. I can only imagine, you know, and I sent in a nomination form for the Hugos. 
but I usually don't nominate. And, and the reason that I don't is because the, the, I'm always kind of behind. I, um, I, I don't read a lot of the current magazines. I read a lot of the award nominees, you know, right? which After is fact. not really fair, but you know, the, that that's just the fact. And, um, so I don't ever feel qualified to nominate. Um, so I, I think I've nominated maybe twice and, and I have to feel strongly about something to nominate it. You know, like, Ooh, I read this book and it was so good. I should nominate it. And, um, but that, that's not something that I usually, you know, I'm not ahead enough usually. Um, so anyway, I guess I really don't have an answer. You know, who knows how many ballots they got or how many nomination ballots they got. And, um, heck for all we know, each of these stories got three votes each, you know, right. and everything else got one. I mean, we, we really don't know. Or Somebody knows, your, but we don't. Maybe your ballot will be one of the five ballots that picks which story. Yeah, you know, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting to me. It is oh. interesting to me, too. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of Clark's World on here this year. And um, there's a novella called All the Flavors by Ken Liu. Which yeah. it, and it says it's from Giganotosaurus, I two one of twelve. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> so, I wonder if it's a book. No, it says two one twelve. I gotta look that up now. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, look and he, and Aliette de Baudard is on there too, and Jay Lake. Well, and there's almost always at least one Rachel Swirsky and uh-huh. one Cat Valente. <laughs> Rachel Swirsky blows me away. I, yeah. I don't think I have read a story by her that hasn't, I've just been, wow, that's awesome. I've read maybe five. Yeah, I think I've read this one because didn't mm-hmm. Tor, Tor put out those things that came from them for free. Oh. So I've read the Mandalo, the Makaran, and the Swirsky. Mm-hmm. Cool. But I haven't read the others, so I couldn't Yeah. weigh in yet. Neat. Yeah. So very cool. All right. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we did this. Yes, I am. I am too. So thanks a million. When when is the when, uh, when is the convention? Uh, it says in May. Seventeen. So, yep, we're in March right now as we record this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So any complaints can be sent to me <laughs> <laughs> for saying what I said at the outset. I felt like a jerk too. Well, have you changed your mind now? Well, I, I think, like I said, I feel better about them. Bit. Mm-hmm. But it, I, I still, I don't know. It's just not my type of thing. And that, that's really what it comes down to. <laughs> These are not my kind of stories. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it doesn't say anything bad about the writers or anything like that. It's just that just if I, it's just not my <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There, I wish I had said that at the beginning because now I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody's great. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And doggone it, people like you. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.